This is uh, Paul Schneiderman today on the 121st edition of the Sports Untold podcast, also on Rainier Avenue Radio. My special guest today is retired NFL legend Eric Metcalf. Eric is also uh, a prominent figure in the track world. Eric, I'll get back to you in a minute. My podcast is now on Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, Google, iTunes, Podbean, and you can go to sportsuntoldpodcast.com. I encourage my listeners to click the like button regarding my show, comment, go to the website and check out my show and some other outlets. Eric, let me get back to you. Uh, Eric Metcalf is known as one of the best kickoff and punt return specialists in the history of the National Football League. Uh, Mr. Metcalf became the first player in NFL history with 7,000 yards in offense and 7,000 yards in kickoff kickoff returns. Uh, Eric played uh, all sorts of positions. Eric was a high draft pick in the 1989 draft. Um, Eric, has been described in this May 2020 article by a, by a football writer, Rick Goslin, who is advocating Eric's uh, Hall of Fame, Eric for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Rick wrote, Eric was a Swiss Army knife and an offensive coordinator's toolbox. So uh, Eric had a great career, three-time pro baller, also a, a great track player. Um, Eric played football at uh, University of Texas, the son of a prominent uh, football player Terry Metcalf and Eric has uh, three athletic kids. Uh, Eric, I appreciate you coming on the Sports Untold podcast, also on Rainier Ever Radio. Thanks for having me. No, it's it's, it's a real pleasure. I, I we we're just talking off the air that I first met you back in 2017 when I was shadowing Rick Dupree. Rick has been a mentor in this whole experience I've had, and he, he wanted me to watch the interview. and And I've been planning to get you on for a long time, and. Now we're, we're finally doing it uh, five years later. I remember, you were very gracious. You signed a couple autographs for a couple of my cousins, and they appreciated receiving them. So we'll have, we'll have fun today. You know, Eric, uh, I'm going to start with this question. Um, we lost two major uh, iconic figures in the sports world this week, Bill Russell and Vince Scully, the L.A. Dodgers announcer. Uh, Russell, of course, was an NBA legend and civil rights activist, Um what do you tell us what, what Bill Russell meant to you um, as an African-American pro athlete? Feel free to comment on, on Vince Scully's legacy as well. See, it's it's, it's kind of hard, you know, because from a person like me at my age, you never really got to see uh, Bill Russell play, play basketball. You just heard of him as uh, fighting for social uh, justice and everything and and who he was fighting for and so I, I like the fact that he he stood out there in front um and, and and didn't have to because he was bill russell won many championships he didn't have to stand out there in the forefront but he used his platform to do so and speak up for the rights of of, of people of color and so i i really appreciate um the someone like him who's given myself and, and countless other, other athletes and and, and afro-americans in this, this country a, a chance yeah, he, he was an iconic figure, and, and you're right. You, you, you and I are more Generation X era, and he was more silent generation, but what a figure. And uh, any comment? Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just about to say, and then when you talk yeah. about Vince Scully, you could just hear his voice. You know, it's like you just hear his voice all over everything. And so it's to, to I know it's, it hits a little more home to people close in, in Los Angeles or in California. But for someone like me who just heard the voice on TV or, or, or saw him on TV, is is another icon that, that we we've lost this week. And and you know, these guys have they've left legacies that we'll never be able to forget. And so we just you have to appreciate the greatness. No doubt about it. Vince Scola, he he just on like a quiet summer day, he just had a way of uh, in a, he just had a certain a certain style to him. It wasn't that fancy, but he just had a way of of covering games that was very very touching. Right, and then, you know, and, and and everyone can't do that. You know, a lot of people when you watch football games or baseball game, basketball games, a lot of people have to be dramatic about it to make you feel something. Then there's some people who can just be themselves, be calm and cool, and and still get the the excitement across and the moment across for for the viewer and, and Vince Scully was one of those people who could do that. Eric, by the way, I, I'm looking for some for some questions for you on on Facebook. So if I'm looking at this at this new monitor I have, I'm still listening to you, so don't worry about it at all. So, Eric, um, you were you're the son of a famous football player Terry Metcalf, and uh, you come from a very athletic family. You have some very athletic genes. Um, why don't you talk about what your dad's influence has been? in you as an athlete in your track and in pro football career. Now I want you to also comment and talk about 
youth sports these days. There's so much competition and so many, so many parents think their kids can be the next Eric Metcalf. Just let me just talk about your, your dad's influence on you and just about youth sports in this era in general. Well, I think my, my dad's influence on me is, is enormous. I mean, it's huge. Every, Cause from the time I was a kid, I wanted to be Terry Metcalf, you know, uh, growing up back in the days, you know, you had kids that or sons who wanted to be like their fathers, whether it be a fireman, a police officer, or, or what have you, they, they wanted to be like their fathers. My father just happened to be Terry Metcalf, the NFL football player. So that's who I wanted to be like. And so just watching him and all of his accomplishments and, and the good things that he was doing in the NFL just stoked my fire. It just made me want to be even a better player than he was just because I could see it all the time on TV, whether it be Monday night highlights or, or, or games that came on Sunday. So it just made me want to be like Terry Metcalf. And so from day one, I just thought I was going to be a, a football player. And so I, I'm, I'm happy that he was able to be uh, as good as he was. And it's because it, it inspired me. And because I always think about it, my dad actually got drafted to, uh, to play baseball when he, when he was playing, I, I think in, in high school. And I, and I always, often think, what if this guy would have played baseball? Where would I be? <laughs> Where would I be in my life? Because I have never, ever even attempted to play baseball. And so I don't think that would have been something I would have been able, able to do. And so I'm, I'm glad he chose the, the football route. So, because it gave me the opportunity to go out there and play football. And, you know, and when you're talking about younger kids and like you said, parents thinking their kids are going to the NBA or the NFL tomorrow, it's, it's a different world. I mean, there's so many... AAU teams, there's so many seven-on-seven leagues, there's so many uh, ranking systems that these kids have that make their kids or make the parents want to put their kids out there so they can have a, a better opportunity uh, to, to get to college or whatever. So I, I can't really be mad at them for, for doing that and trying to get them and everything because they're trying to make a better way for their kid. However, there is the time where that gets in the way. You know, too much parenting. I mean, sometimes there's the difference between a, a, a coach, a parent, and a coach parent. And so and it's because those coach parents tend to get in the way. And that's what we, we, we try to avoid, especially if you're coaching like I was. You, you just don't want that in the way where it's all about your kid because it's, it's bigger than the kid and it's not always about sports either. It's, you have them in, a, in an athletic environment, but when it's all said and done, it's all about how you how you work it out in life, you know, because everyone can't go to the NFL. Everyone can't go to the NBA, but everyone can be a, a good person if they if they work on that. And so I think that's a lot of times the sports aspect gets in the way of who people really are and what what they're trying to accomplish in life. And and so we have the opportunity and that's why it started my track club and, and everything years ago and back in 1999 is because I wanted to give kids that I didn't think would make it in basketball or football another avenue to, to possibly get to college on someone else's dime and so and 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 like once again everybody's not going to make it but if you put them in the give them the right direction and, and and focus on trying to accomplish major goals then that works for the, for them throughout life, whether it be in school, whether their job, what have you. And, and that's what I was trying to help people do. And that's what I think everyone should do is this shouldn't be about let's go to the NBA. It should be about let's get them on, a, on the, the right path to be good people. And if it works out, it works out. Great feedback, Eric. And, and I was I, I, I was going to do a longer introduction, but you coach track and you have such a, a background in, in track. And one thing you mentioned, I always learn something new in every interview I do. I did not know your father, Terry, was a uh, star baseball player, too. So, yeah, uh, that's, he, a cool, that's a cool part of your family heritage. It is. He played baseball, ran track. So we, we, we played a couple of sports events in our lives. And so, no doubt. I'm pretty good at it. So, you know, it, it worked out for us. No doubt about it. So, you know, Eric, um, I got this question from a friend of mine. I went to Roosevelt High School with in Seattle, Anthony Richmond. We're, we're old friends. And Anthony uh, played college basketball. And Anthony wanted me to ask this question. Uh, 
you're you're such a Seattle guy. You you live in Seattle now. You 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 raised your family in the area. Why why did you not pick University of Washington? Tell us why. why <laughs> you're, not, you're laughing. You think that you know Anthony want me to ask you that? So, so. well, so when I, don't ask me why. I, obviously, I grew up here in Seattle. I played little league football at at Rainier Playfield. Went to Old Day High School for one year. And then I moved to Virginia when my dad had finished with the Redskins. Um, as a kid, I don't know why, but and this and this and it's gonna it pains me to say this, but as a kid, I wanted to be an Oklahoma Sooner. Wow! It pains me to say that now, being a Longhorn, but I wanted to be an Oklahoma Sooner because that's what I always saw on TV. Right. And, and and when I saw the, I saw Thomas Lott and, and Billy Sims and all these guys ripping and running up and down the field. And so, you know, that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to carry the ball and score a lot of touchdowns like those guys were doing. So that's where I wanted to go. Um, when I was in high school, finishing my high school career in, in Virginia, uh, my whole thought was I wanted to go somewhere in the South. You know, and, and it was. And it was more about, it was about football, but it was also about track. And so I needed, I felt like I, in order to excel, I needed to be somewhere where it was going to be hot most of the time. And so, I mean, I got, I got letters and from pretty much everyone in the, in the country at that time. And even you, Dub, and, and, and I wouldn't take a visit just because, you know, my family was here. I could come here anytime. But when I was thinking about the business part of it, it was football and then track. And track was was a major player in what I was trying to do. And so that in itself, just thinking about the rain and all that kind of stuff wasn't gonna work for me. So to answer your question, it was about the rain, which I which I absolutely love. <laughs> I just don't want to run in it. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with the University of Texas, great school, but uh Anthony had a good question for you. And I got another question from the audience. Uh, George Carlin, who was a uh a youth sports coach in uh, Northeast Seattle. I haven't seen George in years, but I, I remember him. And George wants to know if you have any memories of your Rainier uh, junior football days you can share. Yeah, yeah I, I do. Um, one of my favorite memories, because we had a very good team. I think in my five or six years of playing uh, football down at Rainier, um, my team lost two games. One one my first year and one our, our, my last year, but those guys continued to play at Rainier because I went on to try to play in high school. But my my fondest memory was like we we had a, a season where we had only got scored on one time, the entire season. Wow! And, and and I was on defense, and and somebody on the other team broke for a touchdown. Not for a touchdown, but broke around the other end. And I ran from all the way across the field and caught him like right at like the 10 yard line to keep him from scoring. But then, and then we held him, so it kept the streak alive. <laughs> and so, and so that was one of my favorite minutes because you know, I'm not a defensive player, never wanted to be a defensive player. But on that day, I was able to keep them uh, from scoring. Unbeknownst to me, the streak was going to end a couple of weeks later. Oh, sure. There, I ever played football beyond junior high. I was on the LBR team. We weren't that great. So, <laughs> anyhow, but I have, I have some memories. Well, um, fun stories. George and Anthony definitely had some asked some good questions. So, Eric, you, in your NFL career, you played for the Browns from 89-94. You played for the Falcons, a couple years, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Panthers, the Redskins, the, the Packers in 2002. Long career. Um, I got two questions for you. Who was the most impactful coach you had in your career, whether a head coach or assistant or coordinator? And who was the best coach you played under? I know you played under Bill Check at one time, but I, I, I want to know who was the most impactful to you on a personal level, and who do you think was the best coach the best coach you played under? That's a tough question right there. I mean, because, you know, when you, when you think of coaches, uh, everyone coaches something different. And, and at the same time, everyone can impact you in a different way. And so it's, it's hard to say who was the most impactful or who was the best coach. If, if I had to say the best coach, I'd probably say Belichick. Best coach, for sure. I mean, 
impactful. Yeah, I, I, I got to count Bill. I got to count uh, Richard Mann, who was a receivers coach in Cleveland with us, who I still talk to to this day. I have to count June Jones, um, Steve Crosby, who's our because so, they all impacted me. And uh, uh, Scott O'Brien, who was our special teams coach in Cleveland, because they so they all impacted me in a different way because I played multiple positions, and so. Hands down, Swiss Army knife, <laughs> right? I, I guess that's what a football player is someone who can right. do everything, right. right? And so, when I when I think about it, those all those guys that I mentioned, and, and probably people are, I've forgotten, impacted me in a very positive way. Bill was the best coach, I think, because everyone considers me a kick returner, punt returner more than a running back or receiver. I'd have to say. Bill impacted me the most in, in regards to that also because when I when I got in the NFL, I did not want to return punts. All I want to do is return kickoffs because I was thinking this is the NFL, they hang the ball up there uh, high it's for a long time. These guys are fast. Somebody's going to kill me. Right. But I wanted to return kicks. And then as I got into it, got in the NFL and started playing, I realized Punt returning might be a little easier. And, and and kickoff returns, although I took some back, guys in the league generally stay in their lanes. And so and so guys have to get the, the proper blocks and you have to find a crease and, and hopefully it works out. And so I didn't I didn't actually return punts until Bill came to Cleveland in my third year. And so in my first three years, I only returned eight punts in my career because we had Gerald McNeil in Cleveland at the same time. So Bill came to me and he was like, you, you, I know you want the ball a lot. You're, you're, you're not a guy who's going to carry the ball 25, 30 times as a running back. But that shouldn't matter to you as long as you can get touches. So if you can catch the ball five times, you can, you can run it maybe 10 times and then get uh, five to seven returns, you have the ball 20 times a game. Now it's up to you to make plays. And then I was like, okay, I can I can return punts, but you got to promise me there's gonna be some blocking back there. And and and, and granted, and he brings in Scott O'Brien, who's our special teams coach, who did a, a great job with our special teams, and and it went from there. You know, Eric, something you brought up again, I always learned something you on in these interviews that I didn't know that you didn't become a punt returner until like maybe your third year in the NFL. He became one of the historic best punt returners in the National Football League. And that's that's quite a story. You know? And, and you know, it's funny. I, I tell people all the time. So I, be, I became a punt returner my third year. I only returned eight that year because I separated my shoulder and, and only played half the season. And so, and then after that, I had 10 returns for touchdowns, the first to get double figures. And so, I often say if I would have started doing it my my first year and, and was excited about it, who knows how many I'd have had. But you know, but it's neither here nor there. You, everything happens for a reason and and it, and it eventually worked out. You know, we talked about Billichek, Eric, uh, in this segment. Um, I understand he's just a real football intellectual. Is that a good way to break it down on him? It is. I did. I mean, and, and, and he's a football intellectual because he puts time into being that. He studies everything. He go. He, it's, it's like if, if you talk about the New England Patriots right now, everybody's talking about they don't have offensive coordinators. They don't need one because he's coaching everyone to make sure everyone knows everything. And that's how he is. And so because of his knowledge of the game and, and, and what he's trying to do, knowing what he's trying to do, it makes it a lot easier for people around him to coach and, and, and players to be successful. Great stuff. Eric, I mentioned this in the introduction. I, I read a, a, I think it was a May 2020 article by Rick Gosselin, Gosselin a, a football writer. He makes a case that you should be considered a Canton Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's a very convincing piece. And he mentioned, what's that? I'm convinced. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, <laughs> but, but, let me, let me, uh, let me, let me, uh, yeah, let me frame a question to you, but, but. Um, he mentions you're up there and in, in total all-time yardage, you know, as, as I mentioned, one of the best kickoff and punt returns in history. Um, you think of Ray Guy, not taking away from Ray Guy, but Ray Guy is in the Hall of Fame as a punter, a very specialty position. Um, why shouldn't return specialists be considered more for the Hall of Fame? That, that's kind of how I wanted to package the question. 
Well, they should be. And, and, and in my honest opinion, Devin Hester should have got in this year. I mean, it's a selfish opinion I mean, because I want him to get in so other guys can get in. But I think in, in general, when you think of just the, the special teams player, particularly whoever, regardless of what position they play, I don't think people value us as much as they value uh, other positions. And because no one really cares about special teams until they need them, right? Until until it really matters. They, everybody thinks you can't be a good football player if you're if you don't have a specific position. But special team players change the game. I mean, look at all the returners who have won games returning ball. Look at kickers and punters who have changed field position or or made field goals to to win games. These things, these plays matter. That's why they're three phases of the game. But I think people devalue that when they're talking about uh, folks in the Hall of Fame and they don't think they're they're worthy of it because they're not quote unquote a position player. But I am, or or, or I was, and so I mean, because I can say I played running back. I mean, I played receiver. I I played kickoff return, punt returner. I even threw touchdown. And so that's what that's what a football player does. And so. You know, when you're talking about not a special, not a, a position player, you can't be talking about me. And at the time, and I, and not to pat my own back, but at the time when I retired, I was in the top ten in all-purpose yards all time. And so, you think about when you think about things like that, and think about being the first person to have a double-digit punt return touchdowns. I, I I agree with with that article. <laughs> well, Eric, if if you get in one day, I will try to show up in Canton. Okay, so so uh, um, I get in one day. I'm bringing everyone. <laughs> it won't be big enough. Love to be love, love to be on there, on with people. <laughs> you know, not to get too not to get too carried away with with other analogies, but you look at other Hall of Fames, like the Baseball Hall of Fame. There's specialized players who get like relief relief pitchers or hockey a goalie is specialized and there's hockey goalies in the hall of fame so what my point is all sorts of sports hall of fames have specialists who've been inducted so but as you've uh, articulated very well for whatever the reasons uh return specialists don't tend to get the the attention they should get so um anyhow anyhow great great stuff hey you know there i i read an article a couple of years ago that there was a lot of safety issues in the nfl and football in general that feel free to comment on those in general eric but there, there, I read something that there's been some talk about maybe getting rid of kickoff returns or scaling back on them because there's a lot of injuries on those types of returns. What's your take on the idea of, of, of football maybe changing the rules on kickoff returns? I, I, I 100% understand the, the safety and, and the, the collisions that these guys are having running down the field full speed and all. But once again, that goes back to my point of devaluing special teams. They're basically saying we don't need it. Now, everyone thinks they don't need it until Devin Hester or Eric Metcalf is their returner. Now, because I'm thinking if Devin Hester is not returning kicks, then who is he on that team, right? He is one of the best football players on whoever team he was on, whichever team he was on, because of what he did as a returner. Now you take that away, and and you've taken uh, a team's one of the team's best players out of the game completely. And so that so I would never want to see them take the the kickoffs or, or or punts out of the game because a, a lot of guys, a lot of people, are returners are are good at, it. and everyone can't do it because if they if they could, then everyone would do it. But but you but they're just they're called return specialists for a reason because people are special at it and they go out there and, and make plays. And so I, I want to keep seeing I want to keep seeing these guys and have the opportunity to return uh, punts and kickoffs because it also changes the momentum of the game. I mean, when you're talking about taking a kickoff return back, it's either at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of halftime, or the team other team just scored. Now if that after each one of those occasions, if you're able to return that for a touchdown, you have instantly shifted momentum of the game. Okay. So, so that is that's take that's excitement not only to a team but to the fan base and all that. And so it it, it picks everyone up. And so I, I want to see that. I, I I mean 
once again, it's it's the selfish part of me as a returner that I want to keep this in, but I do understand the importance of it and how it can change games. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I think a lot of fans and people involved in football can relate to, to where you're coming from on that. Eric, I've asked these two questions by every guest since, since late 2019. And my first question for you is who's a living sports figure? Can be a commissioner, general manager, coach, player, someone in the sports world, a broadcaster you'd love to interview or chat with. And who's a deceased person in sports history you would have loved to spend some time with and chat with? It's crazy because the, the the two people I would say I actually got the opportunity to do so with, and and oh, so wow. <laughs> and so living Jim Brown, I just I just love I I love, you know him being a Brown, me being a Brown, and me being around. I love being able to sit and chat with him because it's not it's not always about football. It's, it's, it's usually not about football. It's just about life and things in, in, in general. You know, when when Jim uh, first became a special assistant at the Browns when I was there, he and I used to go sit in the stands before games and just talk about stuff. You wow. know, not, not every game, you got to do this. You, you need to do this. We got, we used to talk to, we just, just that sit up and have conversations. And I enjoyed the fact that he would drop in knowledge on me and, and, and all that. And so, especially a young guy, and I'm sitting here like friends with Jim Brown, you know, so that arguably the greatest player of all time. And so, you know, we used to have good conversations and then I really enjoyed that and still enjoy it to this day. And so, and for my deceased, I got to spend time with Muhammad Ali. Wow. And eat wow. breakfast with him. And so, you know, that's the greatest. And so, and, and, and it was, it was basically the, the same thing. And I think, I think for me in having a father who actually played in the NFL before, right. me, I think that made it a little easier for me to keep from being a fanboy, Right. Right. So, so I can go in there and just, I can be with these guys and just talk to them as normal people. I'm just like, well, what about this fight? And you, I'm like the fan nerd. Guy. Right? So, yeah. So I wouldn't say, so I don't, I, I felt, I knew that I didn't want to do that. I knew I didn't right. have to do that. Right. So I was able to just go in there and, and, and be confident and that I could have just a, a straight conversation with, with Muhammad Ali. And, and it was wonderful. I ate breakfast with him. And so it, it, was, it was fun and, and, you know, he's the greatest. And so when you talk about these guys, they're, they're iconic, not, uh, only in their sport, but but you know, off, out the ring and off the field as well. Did you ever, just out of curiosity, did you ever talk to Jim Brown about his movie career at all? Not really. I mean, we talked a little bit, but he he's talked more about how he used to manage the temptations and things like that. But but never really, never really his movie career. I mean, you know, it was it, it was one of those things. Like he probably would have played football longer if things would have worked out right. But he had the opportunity to go out there and 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 do movies, so he, he he was a star in that era, too. What did you and Ali talk about? Just life, just everything that was going on in time, at the time, we were actually in, in Las Vegas um, at, a, at a fight, and, and he, was, he was friends with a friend of mine, so we got to have breakfast with him. We just talking about just everyday life, just every, there was nothing in particular, like we weren't talking about politics or anything, just, chatting and, and, and having fun and laughing and, and everything. And what I appreciate with, I mean, he's Muhammad Ali. And so we're eating breakfast and, and people will come by and ask for autographs. And, and I know he was tired of it, but he just was signed every single one of them. I mean, cause not, not often do you get to be around someone that great. And so I guess he felt like when people asked him, he would, he would oblige them. What, what two amazing American sports figures you, you, you were able to spend time with. And those two names have come up to those, those questions that I, I've asked. Speaking of, of movies, uh, what is your favorite sports movie? Whoa. Man, my favorite sports movie. <laughs> I'm all over the place. I love Brian Sloan. I love the program. Um, now this is one you're gonna laugh at. <laughs> Because it's not my favorite, but I love it. It's semi-pro. Semi-pro. 
<laughs> but but I think the program is probably my favorite. I had no one that's in the program yet. Hey, um, any given Sunday came out in 1999. Did you think that was pre pretty realistic portrayal of football in the 1990s? I, I thought it was. I thought it was realistic. I mean, of course, there are going to be some things that are over the top, right. but it's about as, as as real as you can get, and, and that's why that's why I like the program. That's why I like the program because I, you know, once again, there's going to be things that over dramatized but at the same time it's, it's like real college football and you had people who, who acted certain ways that we got to see in that movie you know you, you brought something up that's interesting to me about you know, you're the son of a former nfl player and you've been around pro athletes and your whole life and i've had some interactions with athletes not the level that you've had and I, you brought something up you just kind of know the style and the vernacular when, when you're you know when you're in the industry you kind of you just pick up on things like in the law, I tend to pick up on the little inside talk. You know, it's, it, that's interesting. You brought that up because I, I remember one time I was at Rainier Ivory Radio. I become friends with both Greg Lewis and Edwin Bailey. And I'm kind of hanging out with them waiting to interview. I think it was Greg once. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of I'm thinking like, oh, gosh, I'm like the fan nerd. And these guys are the you know, <laughs> former you know NFL players and stuff, you know, so. But you brought that's an interesting point. You, know, you just sort of a little more comfort zone, probably. Just you know. I, I, I saw Edwin this morning. I see him almost every morning. When when I'm walking, I I, I catch him on, on his walk also. So we walk with each other for a few minutes. And I don't know if you knew that when we were playing little league football at at Rainier, that Greg Lewis was a lineman in front of me. I he, think Greg mentioned me that you guys have a lineman. He's one of, he's one of my linemen. Yes. Right, <laughs> right, right. Both both great guy. All three of you good guys. So yeah. about playing pro football, you know, it's such a dangerous sport. Um, was it something you loved or was it more of a stressful thing that you did because you, you felt you had to do it to tell me about playing football? Did you love it or was it more of a job? I loved it. And I still love it. If I would love it, if I were playing now, when we're talking about watching football, I'd watch college football over pro football any day. Cause it's about the love of universities for whoever it is, whatever fan base it is. Whereas pro pro football, it's more fantasy. People, you know, are following players and not teams and things like that. But I would play football today, yesterday when my dad played, just because I loved it, and because I, I, I love the excitement of the game. There's no game in in the world like football, and 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 I tell people all the time, I would have played in the NFL for free. If everyone did. Wow. <laughs> if everyone did. But if everyone doesn't, then I have to get paid also. <laughs> but if everyone played for free, I would have done because it's the highest level of, of the most exciting sport in, in, in the country. Wow. That that says something that, that you would have taken all that bashing for free. I mean, that's, I love, <laughs> that's pretty But everyone had to take it for free. <laughs> but right. but, I, but I, I, just, I just love the excitement of, of going out there in a, in a full stadium and, and, and being able to make plays and, and, and score touchdowns and win games and things like that. It's, it's, there's something about that excitement that, that other people will never get a chance to feel. Um, yeah, wow, that's that's like You know, Eric, I mentioned, we talked that you have a track background, you've coached track at University of Washington, you, you're a track star, it been great. You've done so much in the world of track. You started, I, I believe, a, a track training program for kids. It's, um, when historians look back at Eric Metcalf, do you want to be most remembered as a football player or a track star? You got to pick one. I'm a football player who could run track. Okay. 100%. Okay. Which is, you know, if you know sports, a lot of times you have track people who are trying to play football. I'm a football player who could run track. And so, first and foremost, there is no chance I'm going to pick track over football. And I, and I love track. I love the uh, individualism of it. But I will never pick that because it's not exciting to me. I mean, think about this. My, my um, Going into my senior year of, at the University of Texas, I was a Heisman candidate. Um, and, we, and, and that summer, we were going to Olympic trials in 1988. I had just won. Uh, uh, USA championships. I won NCAA championship and USA championship. And now we're about to go to the trials. And for the first time in my life, I was at that meet thinking, 
And I didn't think I was going to win because we had Carl Lewis, Mike Powell, Mike Conley, Larry Myers, all those guys jumping all the way. But I thought I could make the team. But I was thinking, I, I don't want to win. I do not want to make this team because the Olympics were in Seoul and that, and they were, so it was, gonna, it was in September. That means I would have had to miss football and there was no chance I was going to miss football. Regardless of the Heisman Trophy or anything, I wanted to play football and I knew that's what, where my career was headed either way. I, when it was all said and done, I was not going to be someone who competed in track for the rest of my life. I was going to be someone who played football. And so when you're thinking about going out there and, and trying to be a, a first round pick, I was like, forget track. You guys can have this. I'm trying to play football. So there, there is your answer 1000%. Football. Track is more of a supplement to you then, you know, in some ways. Is that yeah, a- yeah, but yeah, but you know, and, and I was I was decent at it. And so to go out there and be able to compete in it and, and not be full time, win a couple of national championships and, and, and jump pretty far, I, I I felt good about it because at the same time, I I honestly think being a long jumper helped me on the football field because it's it's an event where you have to run down a runway almost as fast as you can. And at that board, you have to convert and be ready to get yourself in jump position and take off. And so I think being on the football field and planning and jumping and cutting and running and being able to stop and start and be fast at it, 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 it helped me a lot. Um, by the way, Eric, I'm looking at your background, and it looks like you have kind of a, a cool home museum of football pictures. Of, <laughs> I see the Earl Campbell one, a picture of yourself. Looks like a kind of a neat. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple things in here. Yeah, no, it's me. So, do you know Earl Campbell? I know him well. Yeah, I know well. You know, once again, just he went to the University of Texas, and just like the Jim Brown thing, when I was at Texas, Earl started working at Texas, and so I was talking with him, being with him almost every single day, and so, you know, it's, it's like they're like family to me, and, and you know, talk to him all the time, and, and still keep in touch. As, Sons call me all the time because we're, we're families. That's and that, that's all I know. So I, I know him, love him, and everything. We're, we're who, who was who was your best friend in your in, in the NFL? If you had to pick one or two, who, who would you say your your closest friend is? And in, in your from that, I'm not gonna say that. I can't okay. say that. You, okay. know, you know, you when you when you play for for 12 years, you you, you come across a lot of different people, right? And and, and especially me playing on so many different teams, there. I met a lot of people and was close with a lot of guys. Um, I mean, the guys I talked to the most in my career are, are all guys who I started in Cleveland with. Reggie Langhorn, Kevin Mack, Bernie Kozar, Hanford Dixon, Felix Wright, those guys. I'm with, I talk to them all the time and I'm with them all the time because I'm always in Cleveland. And so, you know, you, you, you think they're kind of close because they're closer because I'm always with them. But, you know, there are guys who, you might not talk to all the time, but you're like, that was my guy when we were there together. And 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 if you and if we talk or we we see each other, it's gonna be like we were never apart. Eric, by the way, I've been to Cleveland, Ohio. It's it's kind of an underrated town, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, and it's especially as if, if if they're winning football games, it makes the town a whole lot better, right? And so, uh, I tell people all the time, we we won football games when I was there, so. I, I I experienced a great time and I still like going back because people appreciated what I had my time that I had while I was there. And so, you know, I used to I used to joke with my family and wife and kids, you guys can get mad at me. You don't have to like me. I'll go to Cleveland <laughs> for a few days. They'll pump up my ego and then I'll come back. <laughs> oh, sure. You got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there, you got the football hall of fame, everybody can't. There, there's some good stuff there. Cleveland Art Museum. It's not, not a bad place. So <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's underrated. I mean, I think people think they're still stuck on the mistake on the lake thing. Right, right. So, right. you know, there's a lot to do when, you, when you're there. Um, of, of course, the, the weather's bad in the winter, but there are a lot of cities that, that it's like that, right? Very true. Very so true. it's a matter of, of, of what you make of it when you're there. So I go there and, and, and have fun and, and enjoy myself, whatever the weather is. And, and I, I think a lot of people can, or anybody can, if they're, if they're willing to do it. Well, I got Eric Metcalf on, on Sports Untold. I encourage my listeners to subscribe, like, and comment. Go to sportsuntoldpodcast.com. And uh, welcome to take some more questions out of you. It's already got a couple of great questions, but uh, feel free uh, to 
comment, if you have anything else you want me to ask Eric uh, from the audience. You know, Eric, we, when we were communicating before I got you on, you mentioned me you were at the 2022 World Track and Field Championships in Eugene, Oregon. And when you share with me that you were there, I read a New York Times article a couple weeks ago. And the New York Times article was mentioning that there were, there were fraternities and sororities that were being used to, to host people. And kind of the main suggestion in the, in, the, in the article is that perhaps Eugene, Oregon is too small of an American town to host a, a competition of that nature. What's your take on that? I can go either way. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'll start with uh, the positive way because Eugene is Track Town USA. I mean, right. when you're talking about having track meets in the States, that's the place that's going to be full. I mean, and regardless of the weather, whether it be NCAA championships, U.S. championships, or, or any big high school meets or what have you, it's going to be full. You can take those same meets somewhere else in this country, and they will not be full. But because you, you, Eugene is track time USA, it is always full during those times, right? Um, on, the, on the flip side, we know it's Eugene. We know it's a, a college town, and... And, and so it makes it hard, especially especially when we're talking about doing this a, a year up off of COVID when, when people aren't working in restaurants and, and so places, a lot of places aren't staying open. It, it makes it hard uh, for, for, for people to quote unquote have fun, say they like if they were in a European city or what have you, or if we were maybe in LA, but who, who who's to say that it would have worked in LA because LA is so big and everything. Right, right. I mean, the Olympics will, they'll, they'll figure it out. But as far as entertainment, if that's what people are looking for, because it doesn't really matter when we're talking about track because the athletes are going to be wherever the venue is, right? And so if we're talking about track, you're going to get good track. I think more people are talking about the entertainment and, and what's outside of the track. And so when I, like I said, when I think about the venue, there's nothing like this track venue in, in Eugene, and it's oh, and it's always going to be uh, packed. Now you see, Mike, like during the World Championships, it might not have been as packed as people think, but you have to think about the fact that in the last month they've had pre-Fontaine meet, NCAA championships, U.S. championships, and then the World Championships. So that means the the the, the track enthusiasts has to decide which one I'm going to spend my money on. Right, right. So, so it makes it hard when you have all those meets in, in a month and a half. And, and you're talking about the, the type of money that they're asking for these, for these events, especially when you're talking about the world championship. So it makes it hard. I mean, it's a, like I said, it's a college town, but it makes it hard in that respect. So you can kind of see the pros and cons of maybe doing it in a bigger city next time. For sure. Yeah, gotcha, sure, gotcha. Right. I mean, Eric, I read that article and I said to myself, I got to get Mr. Metcalf's take on this because it was, it was like when you were there and I read that article. So I was, I was curious. So they, they, the article mentioned a lot of capacity issues in Eugene. But, um, yeah, and, I, and I think that's what that's what kept uh, a lot of fans away because because of capacity issues, they were able to to drive prices up. And whereas if you're in a, in a bigger town, people can stay anywhere. And so right. they don't have to drive prices up as far as. Uh, where they staying in hotels and, and, and such. Eric, I got I got to ask you. I got I do have a tough question for you, but I'm really curious to get your answer. It's a serious subject. Um, Deshaun Watson got a six game suspension recently. Do you think that was too strict, too lenient, or about right? I'd have to say about right because from day one, that's what I said he's gonna get. I've been telling people he's not gonna be suspended for the year. He's gonna get a six game based on because. Once again, no one knows what happened other than those people involved. But based on things that have happened in, in previous cases and, and him having no showing no force or anything like that, I, I thought he would get six games. I thought that would be a, about right. And so, and even, and I thought even if it wasn't six games, in my mind, I thought he should just settle at six games to make it go away and just to, and show good faith, and and it, and it worked out. It was six games. We don't know if the yet still don't know yet if the NFL is going to appeal. But um, it's a sticky situation on, on both sides. But once again, none of us were there. None of us know what happened, and so. But we just know that we want, as a football fan of the Browns for sure, 
I don't want him to be on the field and, and, and play good football. Um, as, as a person, I, I would hope that everything is is up and up and, and, and things didn't go as they say. Very tough situation and, and a, you know, very serious allegations, of course. And putting on a legal hat, it's tough because he's never going to be criminally convicted. These were civil settlements, but still very serious allegations. And I, I think, um, yeah, I was just curious to get your take on, on the six-game suspension. Uh, what was your favorite highlight of your long NFL career? If you had to pick one. It's easy. Well, it's it's easy because when you're a kid, when you're a kid and you're outside, you're playing sports with your buddies, you talk about hitting a walk-off home run. You talk about scoring a touchdown with no time on the clock. You talk about shooting a bucket and making it with no time on the clock. And so I got the opportunity to do that uh, against the Raiders one year. And so I scored a touchdown. With the, well, technically, there were two seconds left on the clock when I scored the touchdown. And so, and we and we won the game, the game that we had been trailing the whole way. And so I basically got the opportunity to walk uh, to walk off a, a, a football victory. And so that was my my favorite. Um, I, I have to say though, because of the two punt returns against Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers in Cleveland because that means so much to the Cleveland fans. It's a, that's a tight one B. So I, cause, cause they enjoy it so much. And that's what I hear about so much that it, it, it's, it's growing, it's growing up there on me. It's getting up there on me because, because it, it touched more people than the way that that one moment touched me. We'll call them one A and one B. Those those we'll couple of we'll What was your favorite year in the NFL? What season stood out the most? I, that's that's a tough one. You know, for, I, it would have to be. Even though I did more later on, it would have to be my rookie year. Because I'm coming into the NFL, and and we and we went to the and although our record wasn't that good, we're nine six and one. In, in the regular season, but we won our division and made it to AFC Championship. And I thought I would go to the Super Bowl from there just because who thinks you're going to get to the AFC Championship your rookie year and you're never going to go to the Super Bowl. No one thinks like that. And so I that, that was my favorite year because those guys coming in as a rookie, they, they, they took me in, they, they treated me like a brother, like I had been there for years. I was able to go out there and, and play good football and, and we won some, we lost some, but I was able to forge brotherhood, brothers, brothers forever. You know, we have friendships forever with these guys. And, and like I said, we, I still talk to a lot of these guys and hang out with these guys. So that, that has to be my favorite year in 1989. Love it. God, you're, you're a young 21 year old guy then. It's just, it's, it's, gee, the years just go on. I think about that. Do you ever wish you'd play for the Seahawks? I do now. I do now. When I was, when I was actually in the league, I, I didn't want to because I said I wanted to be a football player and not in the ticket business because, because both sides of my family were here and I was felt like that's all I would have been worried about all the time was getting getting tickets for for people. But well, you know when now once you now once it's all done in the past, I think about you know just the fact that if I were playing here, people that I grew up with, all my family, all my friends, people I grew up with. They, they would have the opportunity to see me in person a lot, you know, and, and I'm not saying they had to go to every game, but they could see me a couple times a year in person as opposed to having to watch it on TV. Right, right. Well, I watched you play. Uh, I watched you play before you met a couple times, by the way. So, mm -hmm. um, so I also want to mention is that it, it was probably really neat, the honor you got, you got in the University of Texas Hall of Fame. That was probably a nice, that was probably a sweet moment, honor. Yeah, it was. And, yeah, and, and it was What's funny is that I used to always talk about it to them. Like, I, I really feel like I should be in this Hall of Fame. And, you know, of course, things take time. They want you to be done playing your sport and, and all that when they when they put you in. I was like, okay, but I'm, 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 I'm kind of good at my sport, so I might be playing it for a long time. And so they wouldn't. And so they, they, they were like, we're not doing it yet. We're not doing it. And so I had retired. And then they put me in, and then I went back and played the next week. 
<laughs> I, I literally, I didn't play the first what, eight, nine game. They put me in and I played and went back and played the very next week. And so, but, but it was, it was it's special because when you think about the University of Texas athletics, you talk about football over the years, all the Heisman Trophy winners, the national championships, the, just all the award winners, um, and then track and field and even baseball players. And everything. You, you think about the, the superstars and, and guys who've been through that, that university that, that, that touched the fans and, and, and the school. And now I'm one of them, you know, and, and, and I can say I did it in two sports. And so that that it, it makes it it makes it special for me because you know you think about getting in in this Texas Hall of Fame, the Southwest Conference Hall of Fame, and even the state of Texas Hall of Fame. And here I am, someone who never ever thought about being in the state of Texas, right? And so I get to and I so I come there and I I, I do my four years there, and 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 now I'm one of the favorite sons. So I I, I love that I had that opportunity. I, I love. I love the fact that my my parents wouldn't let me go to to the University of Miami because, <laughs> because I ended up going to Texas because they wouldn't let me go there. And so and when I look back at it all, I would I would choose the University of Texas today. I worked mean, out well for you. Yeah, it worked out well. We didn't win many games while I was there, but I still enjoyed my time there as a football player, as, as someone on the track and in in this classroom and and, and the friends I met. Couple, couple of Texas based Hall of Fame. I think I have. You okay to ask two more questions? Is that all right. Good, great. You've been very generous with your time, and I really appreciate it, Eric. Um, actually, Kevin Durant got in the University of Texas Hall of Fame. Only played basketball for one year at UT. What do you think of that? Deserving. I mean, when he was there, he he was the guy, and he's still the guy. And so, I mean, he if if not for TJ Ford. And what he did for the basketball program, I would say KD is the, the greatest basketball Longhorn of all time, Longhorn basketball player of all time. But, and, and, I'm, and, and I'm not saying TJ's better than him, but I'm saying the way he influenced that program and got guys to later come there like the Kevin Durant's because of him and, and taking them to the final four, TJ ha has to be the guy. And, and I know if his, and I know if, Kevin's dad heard this. He, he called me and be talking crazy to me, but he he has to understand that it's the the Texas basketball situation is because of TJ Ford. Even though Kevin just played one year, he had such an explosive one and done year, right? Yeah. right. And it, and it's still going. Right. Great player, great player. I'd love to have him back in Seattle. I'd love to see. To me, that'd be poetic justice. Seattle gets team back and Durant on the roster. I'd love. To see and you know what's crazy? Yeah. It's something you don't know. He would love to play here. If there was a team here, he would love to play. Well, he, I heard he loves Seattle. I met him once. I, I heard he loved it here. Yeah. He loves Seattle. He, yeah. Me and his dad talk about it all the time. That man, you guys got to like, especially earlier in his career, you guys got to get a team back. Kevin wants to play there. I, I know, I know, but I, I can't do anything about it. Great to have him back. Well, Eric, I think I'll wrap up this question. What's in the future for Eric Metcalf? Tell us what, what you have cooking in the future. Well. Nothing much. I mean, it's still track season for me, and still doing consulting with Nike Track and Field. So, like, like, like Saturday after I'm going to to Monaco to one of the Diamond League meets, um, and then I'll I'll come back and and football season's about to start, so I'll be going back and forth to Cleveland because I do TV there, uh, pregame, postgame shows there. So I'll go back and forth there, and so that's it for, for the immediate future. You never know for the long term future. Well, Eric, what a, what a treat to have you on for an hour to spend some time with uh, NFL legend Eric Metcalf. Thank you so much for calling on sports on coming on sports on Total Awesome Radio. That's you guys. Stay in touch, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, sir. Yeah.